We are post-NBA draft, and some teams have made big splashes in free agency already. The Steelers remain the NFL's only undefeated team and are literally getting better every week. Joe Burrow's season is sadly done, and the NHL season's start is literally hanging by a thread. Hello, guys. Welcome in. Welcome into episode 47 of Inside the Minds. Uh, like I said, Thanksgiving edition. Uh, if you're probably listening to this, it is pre-Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving, post-Thanksgiving. I don't know why you'd be listening to us on you know Thanksgiving Day, but it's totally fine. Joined by me this week is the one and only Chris. Kevin probably like pooped his pants and Bart is working. So, you know, Chris, do you have more on the, the Kevin pooped his pants rumor? Uh, I heard it was false, but, you know, I mean, you never know. Right, yeah, man. I mean, he, has, he said he has homework to do, but I, I, like, I don't. I like the other story better. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I can see it. That's what probably happened like, beforehand. <laughs> I, just he makes so many excuses. He yes. even edits this episode too, so like you right. can hear it and just listen to all the trash that we have to say about him. Like, you know, U.S. women's soccer really isn't even that good. I'm, gonna, I'm yeah. just going to say it. Yeah. Uh, Kevin also sucks at FIFA. He sucks at video games. He sucks at, uh, what else does he suck at? He sucks at cooking. Um, I don't know. I am very, you know, but, you know, this is the season of things, so I am very thankful for the man for editing this episode. I'm thankful for Bart as well when he's here and likes potatoes. Um, and, yeah, you know, it is Thanksgiving, so I guess, you know, there's a lot to be thankful for. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, those guys are great, and I'm going to be happy when they're going to be back on next week, or it should be. Uh, you know, Kevin's class is wrapping up. That's that's incredible. You know, he's uh, getting closer and closer every day, so we're cheering for you, dude, and same with you, Bart. I know Bart's had some – he's had some big trouble with, with this EMS class, and, uh, you know, I, I, I know he's kind of starting to get really frustrated with it, but – you know. He's almost there. You're at, you're at the end, Bart. Bart, if you're listening to this, you get those shots that you need, and you'll be okay, I promise you. It's always the darkest before the dawn, dude, so just keep yeah. going. You got this. We believe Absolutely. in you. Absolutely, 100%. And uh, we'll see you very shortly on hopefully the next episode because uh, it's just been a weird time. He got called into work early tonight, so that's that's why he's not here. Um, Unless but, he eats too many potatoes. Or, or too many potatoes. Potatoes are never a bad option, one way or another. So, absolutely. So you guys are one just going to roll it with <laughs> So you guys are just going to roll it with Matt and I today. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, lots to discuss. Uh, just some recent news too with the NHL, as Matt brought up. There's some big discussion about the NHL increasing the escrow. And for some of you who are big fans of other sports that don't use an escrow system, will be uh, discussing that and tell you why it's important um, and also just what it means kind of for the future of next season because depending on if they can structure a deal a new potentially a new CBA like that's what it kind of boils down to hopefully we won't have to go this far but I hope we don't have to see a lockout but we'll we'll uh we'll dive into that just a little bit more coming up a little bit later Yes, absolutely. Escrow is a very fancy term. Um, I thought it was interest. I, it is not. That is a banking escrow. <laughs> and uh, Chris actually explained it to me very well. But I guess, yeah, what we can start off with is, uh, as I mentioned first, MBA, post-MBA draft. Um, so very, so not, not, not a big surprise, the top three picks. You had James Wiseman go first, second, um, I totally forgot who went second. Chris, do you remember who went second? Uh, I think it was James Wiseman. James Wiseman went first to the. Oh no, I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. James Wiseman went second. I'll bet Anthony you hundred dollars <laughs> that James Wiseman did not go first. Yeah, no, you're right. Did you win your bet? By the way, you won, right? I didn't even place it. I got oh, scared because I was going to put a hundred bucks on, on Anthony Edwards, but the commentators for the NBA draft and Jay Billis specifically. He just kept saying, "Yeah, they're they're taking calls for trades right up to the wire, and that that was just enough." Which for is me weird not to place the bet, even though I think no matter what team would have moved up for that pick, may have chosen Anthony Edwards unless it was already a lottery choice. Yeah, or at least in the top four or so, because I think the the Warriors already had their guy in Wiseman, the Hornets already had their guy in Lamelo, the Bulls already had had their guy in Patrick Williams. So like 
unless it was a team outside of the top four, they were going to pick, they're going to pick them no matter what. So, but, but still it, I know, I know some of you are going to call me a pansy for it, but it, I did still place a bet on James Wiseman number two. So <laughs> that was only 20 bucks. So we'll take it. We'll take the win at the very least bought me a burrito so what can you say oh there you go yeah absolutely but i was just gonna say right top three anthony edwards big surprise that he went first probably the timberwolves probably would have been better off trading down but you know it is what it is uh james wise went second to the warriors um and then after that i mean even before that we found out clay thompson towards acl towards i'm sorry towards achilles and then number three lamello ball number four was a head scratcher for me at first. Um, Chris, you've worked at, you know, Bulls games. I don't you're, – you're, you're a Bulls fan, technically, right, you could say. Well, how did you feel, like, when you heard – first of all, have you heard of Patrick Williams before at all whatsoever? Yeah, I heard of him. And quite honestly, the only thing that I heard about him, I thought they were going to pick the other Florida State kid. The more and more I heard about Patrick Williams is that he, he does all the everything, – all everything that you need to do right. Like he's yep. one of those fundamental guys. He's one of those hard, real hard workers that's willing to put the time and effort into the gym. And everyone's going to, everyone talks about, well, we want to average 9.6 points per game in college and he didn't even start. Well, that was the system he was in. Okay. Right. Absolutely. So exactly. Are you telling me that if Zion was benched for the majority of the year last year, he wouldn't have been the number one pick? Yes, he still would have been the number one pick he because he still has the talent. Yes, Patrick Williams did not start. But the fact of the matter is that everything that you hear about him from uh, Karnasovas, from his head coach at Florida State, it's not coming to mind right now, but Billy it's not Ham- important. Nah, something Hamilton, I have no idea. I'll it's not it Billy Hamilton, I wouldn't no, think. No, it's not but... Billy Hamilton, no. <laughs> <laughs> but everything that I've heard from especially those guys is that he embraced his role coming off the bench so well that they think that the the team Leonard factor, Hamilton, there you go, Leonard Hamilton, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the team factor that he is going to present and that he is a very team first guy is what's going to benefit them the most during the, the short term. Long right. term, it's going to be a better development. It's going to be a little bit more of a project, but as far as being team first, I think that's what the Bulls need among other things but that's what they really see that's what they see in this kid that's why they picked him up number four and they're going to be paying him a lot of money to potentially be a bit of a project so yeah i mean he was the second you know second youngest player in the draft he was barely he i I don't think he was even 19 yet he was almost he's not he's almost turning 19 essentially i mean was i mad at it yes absolutely was it not the sexiest pick absolutely not but I thought about it. I mean, I did some research. And first of all, I didn't even know who he was. But, I mean, FSU, like we said, is coached differently. Leonard Hamilton runs something called a platoon system. That literally means all 10 guys on that team, or 12, I'm sorry, are a role player. There's no starting guys. There's there's people, there's players who start, there's players who finish. He recruits so well. They all got to play. He was the youngest person on that team. He was a freshman. And He's such a lengthy guy. Like, I saw him. He is over a seven-foot wingspan. He can jump. He has hops. He's so athletic. I mean, these don't. These guys don't have bona fide starters. Everyone essentially is a role player. He's still got his minutes. He took full advantage of it. Um, he's really good at defense. Isn't even 19 yet, like I said. I mean, like, you're going to look at the mocks. You're going to see Obi Toppin. Like, the, the, the guy, like, Dayton was so good this year, but they came out of nowhere. But, to like, if you look at him, his defense is terrible. I mean, the Knicks needed a guard anyway, so I don't even know why they picked him. But, you know, New York's good in New York. Um, I mean, Karnasovas picked out of the top ten a lot a couple of times in Denver. He, this is his first top five pick. But, I mean, he, he got Jamal Murray. He got Nikola Jokic, Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, Mike, he took a chance on uh, Michael Porter Jr. I mean, let him play out. Kawhi was taken 15. Giannis was taken 15. Jordan was taken three, but, you know, <laughs> I guess, I don't know. He was always in the top five. But, Chris, now, before I say this, this guy is now, I'm not going to say what college he went to, but you can take a guess. He is now one of the best two guards in the league. In college, in college, he averaged 10 points, two rebounds, and one assist a game in one season in 38 games. Who do you think I'm talking about? 
10 points. Uh, where do you go to school? Uh, Kentucky. Of course he did. Um, He's literally one of the best shooting guards right now. Oh, Tyler Harrow. Yeah. So, no, not Tyler Harrow. Close. He had better stats in college. Who else am I thinking of? <laughs> See, Tyler Harrow for me was kind of an unknown coming out of coming out of Kentucky. So right, he played. Where... He played some years. This guy played one year. Who? Devin Booker. Devin Booker. Oh, that's right. He did go yeah. to Kentucky. Yeah, Devin Booker only averaged ten points, two rebounds, and one assist a game. Where he's had a game in the NBA where he scored over fifty. So I mean, I mean he had a game where he scored seventy. <laughs> he's right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. You're you're totally correct. Speaking of Devin Booker, now he has Chris Paul on his team, and he has a guy like DeAndre Ayton. It's gonna be a great season. But I don't know. Like I think the Bulls, for me as a Bulls fan, what I look at is right now they have to develop. They have to develop Kobe White. I want to see Zach Levine play a bigger role. I want to see Wendell Carter Jr. Even though I'm not the biggest fan of him, like he's had some injury issues, but at the same time, like he's he's very good. Laurie with the right coaching can be Laurie marketing with the right coaching can be very good. I don't know, like, this this Bulls team has a lot of potential, and we'll see where they get. I think the Suns are interesting, too, with the Chris Paul trade. But before I mention that, uh, here is my take on the Bulls. I think Arturis just needs to do whatever he wants. There is nobody except uh, Kobe White and uh, Patrick Williams that are safe on that team because every single player – on the Bulls right now, besides those two players, and Kobe White is a little bit of an exception, are a Gar Foreman, John Paxson selection. Literally, yes. So if he wants this to truly be his team, no one is resistant to trade. And if he wants to get rid of Zach Levine, go for it. If he wants to get rid of Laurie Markkinen, sure. Wendell, yeah, why not? But he needs to make these trades with a purpose. But I don't think anybody on that team except Kobe White and Patrick Williams and I'd stretch it to Chandler Hutchinson just to make people mad, but <laughs> uh, are safe from a trade. So have at I mean, it, you could, say, you could say out of border too because honestly no one's going to take his horrible contract. The dude is making $26 million a year. Always injured, and that was a Gar Foreman John Paxson trade, and they traded two of their lowest-paying guys on the on that team for him. You want to hear a funny story about Otto Porter Jr. when I yeah. was working at the Bulls? Yes. So, I was working at the Bulls. I I uh, I got to work, and I I was usually pretty early just to beat the traffic. I usually yeah. Stopped. You did you did you do live pretty far. Yeah. So like. <laughs> My, my pregame tradition whenever I worked for the Bulls or the Blackhawks was to stop at Chick-fil-A every single time. Every single, I don't know what it was, but it was just a, like a pregame tradition for me. Which Chick-fil-A Speaking did you stop the, at? Lombard. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> on the way. On the, like right off the highway. It was perfect. The thing about it is that I have so many Chick-fil-A rewards points racked up. It's not even funny. Like I have... I'm not kidding. I have like 5,000 Chick-fil-A points on my account right now. Is it it's, because of how many stop, t- stops you made? <laughs> yeah. And when I worked for the Sky, also, I stopped there a lot too whenever I went to went to and from work. Because honestly, I'm not going to lie, it was a little bit of a stress relief because B2B and B2C sales can be really stressful. And to have Chick-fil-A right there with a smiling face and good food, it, it was nice. It was really nice. That was not an ad plug-in. That is just my personal experience. Anyway, it's not the, it's not the point. <laughs> so <laughs> I know it was a little bit of a tangent there, but so I went to work this one day and I got there and we're supposed to show up at like five o'clock or so for a seven o'clock tip. So I get there at about three 45. I'm in the, I'm in the, uh, uh, Malcolm X college parking garage. Cause that was our complimentary parking. Yep. And so pull in there, I'm sitting in there and I'm on my phone. I got to thinking, you know, this is going to be a really good, uh, bulls. Uh, that's what it was. It was the, it was the game before 
and I worked this one too. It was the game before Clay Thompson dropped like 15 threes in a game. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was at that game. That was really cool. So I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see these guys play. And so I'm looking on ES, the ESPN app, and it says Pelicans at Bulls. And I'm like, well, that's weird. I'm not working that game. So I go on my schedule, and I'm not working that night. <laughs> so I drove all the way out there for nothing. Oh, At least I thought. You, you went there for Chick-fil-A. <laughs> At least I thought. So I thought to myself, I'm not going to just waste this trip, right? I'm not going to just waste this. So I go on one of my third-party ticket apps. I find a club ticket center court, 20 bucks. Nice. So I took it. Right on, right in the 200 level of the United Center. If you've ever been to the UC, guys, it's great. If you haven't, please go check it out. It's a world-class arena. I'm walking up, and uh, I'm the first one in the building. I'm the very first one in the building. And I see a couple of my 50-50 friends there, and I'm like, and it's like, what's up, guys? And it's like, oh, are you with anybody tonight? And I said, no, because I drove all the way out here thinking I worked tonight, and I end up not, so I just bought a cheap ticket. And everyone laughed at me for that, obviously. So um, so I go up and get some food, get to my seat. And again, I'm like the first one in the entire arena seating bowl. So I get to my seat and I look over. And who do I see warming up? It's Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis. And they're warming up together. And I see this guy coming out of the Bulls, Bulls tunnel. He's in a suit. And he brings Jabari and Bobby Portis over to him. And I'm close enough to them where I can see their faces. There had been a lot of turmoil between uh, Gar Foreman, John Paxson, and Bobby Portis over the head coaching situation at the time. And so I saw Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker talking to this guy from the Bulls organization. And Bobby Portis starts getting a bigger and bigger and bigger smile on his face as they were talking to him. And I see both of them leave the court. And I thought, what was that about? About 15 minutes later, I get a notification saying that they both been traded to Washington. I just witnessed two guys getting told that they are getting traded. And that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. Because Bobby yeah. Portis was so happy about it, and that was the funniest thing I ever saw. Because, like, you knew the you knew that was what was happening after that, or at least I did. And I thought Bobby Portis had never been happier to get traded away from the Bulls, and I got to witness it. It was one of the funniest <laughs> things that ever happened to me at, at work. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm like, I'm sure he hasn't, uh, but at the same time. I don't know. Like, I mean, at this now, like, I don't really miss him. Um, obviously, I don't really miss Jabari Parker. I don't think you know anyone does at this point. But it was just a terrible trade, and now, like, going back to it, like, it's just AK now has this burden on his shoulders of like, damn, like maybe I could have gone out there this year and traded for and not trade. Well, yeah, traded for a top level guy, or you know, could have signed one guy to a max deal. But you know, this guy has it. Which, speaking of Mac deals, Max deals, um, you heard of Gordon Hayward? <laughs> I have. Yeah. Did you hear about his contract? <laughs> a hundred. So from Boston, where he was a role player, uh, $120 million, four-year contract. And essentially, I'm sure LaMelo is happy. I'm sure he has a guy that he can pass it to and, you know, get his assists up and down with. He has Miles Bridges on that team as well. Charlotte's not a bad team, but Charlotte didn't need Gordon Hayward, and Charlotte didn't necessarily need to pay him $120 million either. They're making he, a finals push with LaMelo. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, Michael Jordan's such a yes man that it's just it's insane. I mean, that, that, was, that was a questionable move. What well, wasn't a questionable move, though, was uh, Chris Paul and the Suns because we were talking about him earlier, him and Devin Booker. That's going to be a great backcourt. I mean, even though Chris Paul's older, you know, he still brings a lot to the table, and he has a guy like DeAndre Ayton there. So Okay, but why do you awesome. think that's questionable? No, 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 I didn't say that was questionable. I said that was like, you know, one of them, one that's not questionable would be, you know, that type of I deal. I thought you said it was. Yeah, no, I mean, that that definitely, okay. I was I was like a little bit of a head scratcher, but I'm like, wait a minute. Like, you think about it. He's there, and honestly, it's that's that's a good 
three. I mean, that's, that's definitely a good three. Like I said, Chris Paul's a little bit older, but he can still dish the ball out. So I, it'll it'll be a fun Suns team for sure. I think that the Chris Paul signing is going to turn out. It, it's either going to work out really well for the Suns, or it's going to work out really bad for him. There's just not going to be an in between. But I'm really leaning toward it's going to work out well because you got Devin Booker, who's a young guy who I think could excel with a playmaker like Chris Paul and also DeAndre Ayton. I think both of those guys have just needed a good playmaker. And I don't know, are you kind of looking at maybe a, a little bit of a big three from the Phoenix Suns, you know, throw it back to the Steve Nash and Mari Stoudemire days. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not go that far, but sure. We can I start don't know. There. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, can you imagine if Chris Paul was Booker or Aiden's age? Like now you're looking at the Suns as like, okay, these guys can be real competitors for the next decade. But Chris Paul's what, 35 right now? Yeah, a little so bit older than that. That's yeah. really, okay, so that's a little tougher on them. I think the Phoenix Suns are going to be in the playoffs next year. I think Phoenix is going to be a, dec- a, a decent playoff team. I don't know if they're going to win a series or not. And I think this is their only free agent splash that they could have made. Uh, I haven't checked any of the you know cap stuff for NBA in a little while. Yeah. But I think this might be a, a good opportunity for both Aiton and Booker to really grow next season. Yeah, and then the Suns, I mean, the starting five, you know, you have Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Michael Bridges, not to be uh, confused with Miles Bridges on Charlotte, Cameron Johnson and DeAndre Ayton, and then on the bench, you still have Dario Saric and Jalen Smith. I mean, it's going to definitely get to be a good, uh, gonna be a good lineup. I mean, you still, in the West, you still have the Lakers, you still have the Clippers, yep. you have the Spurs. I mean, the, the Nuggets are, you know, they got far. They got to the, you know, Western Conference semis. So, I mean, <laughs> they're not necessarily going to be the best, but they'll be there. They'll be there, and it'll be good. It'll be a good NBA season. Oh, you also have a pretty good up-and-coming team next year also you forgot about. Mm-hmm. Which In is? the West, the Warriors. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can never I, count out the Warriors. Poor Clay Thompson, though. I, mean, I know. Like, I feel dude, so bad for him. You have to feel for him, but like it's just who knows if it next year he'll be thirty one. He literally, you know, Lee Thompson's already thirty one. He's thirty, so he, oh he missed God. out on twenty playing in twenty nine. He missed out at playing at thirty, where usually you know players are you know ending their primes, and after two season ending injuries, I mean that's going to be tough, man. I hope he. I hope this isn't the end of the road for his career, because I still think he has some gas in the tank, but. It's just it's just two freak accidents that happen to him, and it's and it's both legs too. Like what was it? the ACL was in his it was left in the, leg? It was in the finals, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, ACL is in his left leg, and his Achilles is in his, in his right. Like those are just two freak accident injuries for pro athletes like that. It just I don't know. You just gotta feel for the guy. I, I right. really do. I really like Clay. I like. I've always liked the Warriors. Just as just as a group of guys, um, so it's just the way that they play and the how how much chemistry they have in the way that they play as well. It's just a shame that it could happen to a guy like this. It's a shame to happen to anybody, but you know, just someone who has who had a lot of potential, especially coming out of his prime just didn't work out. It's just one of those things, but hopefully he'll rebound and still have a solid end of his career. For sure. I mean, with that being said, though, the Warriors still have a great squad. I mean, you still have Steph, but then you have Andrew Wiggins, who was there, who was traded from uh, Minnesota. Um, Kelly Oubre was traded there from the Suns, and then you still have Draymond Green. I mean, he's still going to be awesome, and then now you have James Wiseman, so it'll be interesting how James fits into that, but uh yeah no it'll be um, the the Lakers I mean the Lakers got better I mean they had they they signed Dennis Schroeder they signed uh Montrezl Harrell they <laughs> I mean they literally got better we're still waiting on AD hopefully he just takes them out and goes somewhere else doesn't sign a Maxi with the Lakers but the Lakers are still there. Worse than Nets. 
Yeah, right. With KD and Kyrie. Oh boy, that'll be a show. That makes me so mad too. And I know this is going on a on a on a little bit of a tangent. This is the last thing I want to talk about the NBA for this week. Yeah, same. Because we're James, <laughs> James Harden wants to go to Brooklyn. Let me just kind of get into that. So you have Chris Paul who comes to the Rockets. That didn't work out because both of those guys, especially at that time in Chris Paul's career, needed to have the ball in their hands at all times. Okay. So that didn't work out. So you go into Rockets management and ownership and you say, we need a guy who needs, who will play second fiddle James Harden and succeed at it and accept his role. Who should we go with? I got it. Let's go with Mr. Triple Double himself and Russell Westbrook. And then you also forgot ball hug. (laughs) How did that work? It didn't. So you're telling me you're going to go play with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, who have similar playing styles and personalities to both Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul, and you think that's going to work out? I I just never understood that at all whatsoever. I mean, I don't know what – I have no idea where Harden can go to finally win. I mean, he can't. He he, he can go to Brooklyn all he wants, but Kyrie's not going to pass him the ball. KD's not going to pass him the ball. He has to be a role. He he essentially has to accept that he's going to be a role player there, because I mean, you have great you have a great team all around. I don't know how far how far they'll go because this is going to be their first full year playing together, and those two guys fire coaches. So, all right, enough with the NBA. We're, let's go to the NFL, where you know things are spicing up a little bit. The Steelers are the only undefeated remaining team. And then to me, after last year, I have no idea how they even got here. Mike Tomlin is a godsend. He's such a great coach. He's literally, we talked about this, but I mean, to me, he's my coach of the year. And then right behind him might be Brian Flores, which is another genius. But I like, isn't it crazy how well they bounced back from last year? Yes and no. Uh because you don't have Mason Rudolph playing quarterback. <laughs> so, yeah, it's also I mean, <laughs> so you got to kind of take Hodges. that in consideration. <laughs> Duck Hodges. You got to take that in consideration a little bit. You know, they're still the same team as they were last year for the most part, except you got, you know, the Hall of Famer quarterback coming back from Miami of Ohio. I think a lot of people forget Ben Roethlisberger went to Miami of Ohio. Literally, out of all schools. It's crazy. <laughs> but – I, Do you know his I'm rookie year? He went fifteen really. and one or fourteen and two, I believe. He literally just lost two games, I think. His rookie Wait, year. Where? Pittsburgh? The Steelers, yeah. Oh no, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's how good the Steelers have been. <laughs> it's insane. But I mean, even the, I, Chase Claypool, ten games played, ten touchdowns. I know he had a monster game where he got caught four of them, but that guy, <laughs> Jesus Christ, what a wide receiver class this is. This was especially the NFL needs. Individual position awards. Oh, one hundred percent. Not just offensive player of the year, not just defensive player of the year. Make it defensive lineman of the year. Make it wide receiver of the year. Make it like college football has it, with like the Maxwell Award and the Benaric Award, and screw it, <laughs> Ray Guy Award for best punter in college football. Like, yeah, do something like make it worthwhile. For the, for the punters, uh, for the punters, make it Pat McAfee Award. <laughs> That'd be a hell of an award to give away, <laughs> and especially him giving it away. The but, award, the award, or at least the the bust of Pat Pat McAfee would be him taking his golf swing. Yeah, <laughs> or him betting on you know something on FanDuel like he always does every single week. This guy, I mean, he was amazing, but. I, I don't know, man, like, especially because you're always going to have a quarterback on the MVP unless you're Adrian Peterson rushing, rushing for over 2,000 yards. You're never going to have a receiver win it unless they go over 2,000 yards either. So I don't know. It's just so hard for running back or wide receiver to win it, especially offensive player of the year. Just make those individual player awards and then you're good to go. The NFL is just too lazy. Oh, they are. 100%. 100%. Oh, also, did you know that there's also one 500 team in the NFL? Take your guess who that is. I'll let you go off on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. The Bears. The good old Bears. The good old beloved of Chicago. So, uh, I know I can't say much about it, but, like, what do you think they should do? Because um, quarterback situation is 
sketchy to say the least. Um, they already didn't extend Mitch for next year. And Nick Foles' stats haven't been exactly up to par. At least that's the consensus around the NFL. Like, so what, what do you think they're going to do? Is it, is it going to be the Kyle Trask show next year? I mean, you still you have Zach Wilson too, um, from BYU. If he gets that far, like, yeah, I'm looking at their draft position. Kyle Trask from Florida looks like he's a Heisman candidate. He is a Heisman. He really candidate. does. Yeah, absolutely. Like, but the thing is, is that you, you got to have you got to have the the mentorship once he gets up to the league. He's not just going to take it over. So, so Chris, let me let me let me take this opportunity since Kevin's not here to stop me, um, <laughs> to 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 rant about Nagy a little bit. Did you know? So here's what I mean. 2018 happened. Coach of the year. Obviously, great guy. When they hired him, I thought nothing of it, only because he was an offensive coordinator for one of the offensive for one of the best offenses in the game. Chris, did you know Matt Nagy was promoted from QB coach to offensive coordinator, and only ran plays for one year? For six games in Kansas City, for six games, number one, number two, he got that play calling taken away from him in that uh, Kansas City Tennessee game in the playoffs, where it was horrendous. Andy Reid couldn't see, even save him. I mean, that that's number number three. Like, and then he comes here, has twenty eighteen, totally fine. But the reason why Ryan Pace drafted Trubisky, we could say you know whatever, was to develop the guy. He wasn't even supposed to start his first year. That was on John Fox and a little bit of Ryan Pace because he also signed Mike Giraffe. Glennon, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Mike Glennon. I, I mean, if you look at, if you look at like what's going on right now, the, the past two years is like, you're looking back at what Nagy did well in 2018. And that was essentially run an offense in which nobody knew about. And the last two years, everybody knows about it. It's predictable. And just like in KC, I mean, he gave a, he, he didn't get it taken away. I mean, if he didn't, he probably would have gotten fired anyway, which he probably is. He gave up his play calling. He, you know, he gave it to someone who's called plays before and Bill Lazor, not, not the greatest play caller in the world, in the world, but last Monday they worked. And Matt Nagy also was a person who begged for Nick Foles um, after they probably didn't sign Teddy Bridgewater, because Teddy was told that he said he'd have a competition here with Mitch, which is just a joke. He, you, you had Tom Brady probably wanted to come here, but he was probably told, hey, just so you know, Mitch is probably, you get, you're probably going to compete for a job with Mitch. And he probably laughed and, you know, went off. And honestly speaking, you know, now it's, it's just now we're here. And I don't know if Ryan Pace should get fired yet, but I think he should definitely pick another coach. I also think that, I mean, if we're firing Ryan Pace, let's fire Ted Phillips. I know that you can't speak on this. I know that he, he Ted Phillips probably signs your checks because he's the team president. He doesn't know anything about football. <laughs> he really doesn't. He knows a lot about finances and debt nowadays is just not going to do it, man. It's really not. And, but yes, I absolutely think going back to what you said, uh, you, you look at Trey Lance, you, you, you know, you look at Zach Wilson, you look at Kyle Trask, you also hire a coach that's going to be able to work with that. And then you go from there because we do need to draft a quarterback. Nick Foles is garbage. He was a, he was a nice player that won a Super Bowl that went on a run one year in Philly. And I mean, that's it. <laughs> There you go. There's my rant. Glad I was glad I was able to, you know, bring that out. <laughs> but yes, I definitely think that we should draft the quarterback, the first two picks. You know, maybe pick Sam Ellinger second in the second round. While we're at it, you know, pick some. Talk about college football, maybes. Like Sam Ellinger, from Texas. Like he he had the feeling that. He was going to be a four-year starter. You had a feeling that he was going to be an NFL quarterback one day. I don't know. I really don't know because you see he's, flashes. He's very interesting. Of, he's he's nice. He's nice. He's a nice quarterback. That's you see flashes <laughs> of greatness, and then just just doesn't show up. 
and that and those inconsistencies tend to happen in the middle of the game. So I'm just kind of curious to see whoever drafts him what what transitions. Right. I mean, and then it's like you look at teams like how can we turn into an offense like Seattle has? How do how can we turn into an offense like Arizona has? Like I, something of that. The first step is taking a chance on a guy, Russell Wilson. You know, the Cardinals really didn't get take a chance in uh, in Kyler Murray because, I mean, he kind of did, kind of didn't. He was very short. He was a great baseball player too, so you never knew which direction he was going. Obviously, all the money was in the NFL, so that's what that's where he was going. But like you, you watched that Thursday night game last week. I mean, it was just a hell of an offense. I, you know, like we have that receiver. We have one good player that's not going to get resigned. Probably it doesn't want to be here because of what's going on because of all these shenanigans per se. Like you look at what kind of offense like you can be. And then that's how, that's where we have to get like spend a little less money on defense. Just don't be afraid to suck on defense. Like you, to, to be good on offense, you have to spend money on offense. You're spending all your money on the defense. I don't know. Like maybe, I don't know. What do you think about Sam Darnold? Maybe if he gets a second chance elsewhere with another coach. I feel bad for Sam Darnold because the thing is, is that because in my eyes, when I watched Sam Darnold play in college, he looked like he was going to be a great NFL quarterback, but then he fell into the jet system. He's behind Tom Brady right now. And I think he's probably going to stay in Tampa. I would assume because he's only learning from the best. So it's going to take a lot to, you know, drag him out of there. I'd like to see Dak Prescott here, you know, honestly. In all honesty, in Chicago, <laughs> yeah, man, why not? I mean, if you, he is he he had some pretty good stats and a pretty good offense. If he has good players around him, he can he can be very good. He can't finish games; he has to work on that. But he he's Dak Prescott's very good with the right team around him, especially with the great defense. I think on the other end, he can go far, go places, and I think he'd be a great Bears quarterback. There's a question, though, one last thing before maybe we move on. But do you think that Bears ownership is would be willing to pay $40 million for a quarterback? Well, that's the thing. We have so much invested in a defense right now that I doubt it, right? And I think the only team that would pay Dak Prescott right now are the Cowboys because, I mean, all Dak Prescott literally has to do is show them the film of, hey – Look at Andy Dalton. Hey, look at Ben DiNucci. Here you go. Here's what you got without me. You take it or leave it. <laughs> Pay me or I'm gone. <laughs> I think that's how easy it is for Dak Prescott right now. Ben DiNucci, he was one of those guys that I kind of felt bad for too because he just got thrown into a situation that wasn't entirely his his fault, I guess, is what you would throw it back as. Um, but during that Eagles game that he played in, especially toward the end of the game, he was starting to look decent once he got comfortable. Yeah. It was a matter of getting himself comfortable. I'm just saying, maybe like a couple of years down the line, maybe he's one of those sleeper quarterbacks that you kind of see come out of nowhere. Not betting money on it, but I don't know. <laughs> After one game that he seemed kind of shaken up from the start, if he gets his confidence and his legs underneath him, I don't know. He might be a maybe. Right. I mean, you have you still have Andy Dalton starting the rest of the season, hopefully, if he doesn't get hurt. Uh, you know, good old Thanksgiving game, start off week 11. So, I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe. I don't, I don't, you know, NFC East is just so weird that I maybe he might win it for the Cowboys. <laughs> I, I will say, though, Alex Smith, you know, speaking of the NFC East, uh, Alex Smith looks pretty good first two games back. Uh, that Washington team doesn't look too bad. So they might win the NFC East with six wins. <laughs> they might win it with four, honestly. Like the way right. that five. I mean, four is a stretch, but five in all seriousness, like that I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. Like they're historically bad. The thing is one of those teams is gonna host a playoff playoff game and whichever team hosts that game, it's gonna look really bad on the league. That can be something we can talk more about. Next week, uh, next week's episode. Yep, after these round of Thanksgiving games, you know, after you know everybody got stuffed their turkey, enjoyed their Thanksgiving. So absolutely. Oh, by the way, 
I will say, hopefully, I mean, we've talked a lot about Thanksgiving food. We even talked about Thanksgiving dishes during the summer when we had our false top five going, which by the way, we'll bring back. We'll bring back eventually. I got to find a good one, but we'll bring, we'll bring it back. But I will say this. Um, Turkey's always, you know, we discussed our favorite dishes last last year, uh, last episode. Do you have like a worst Thanksgiving dish for you? I thought about this. And for me, I don't know how anybody by itself, okay, by itself, because there are, I don't know, if it, if you compliment it with someone, or it's not someone, with something. Someone. Maybe. <laughs> you look good eating this. <laughs> cranberry sauce. Dude, same. That's I like cranberry is an abomination. <laughs> I just can't do it. And, you know, I know last week I said, you know, I could do cranberry sauce if I wanted to. I saw a can of it today, the grocery store, and I just couldn't bring myself to thinking that I could eat any of it because it's just such a hard concentrate of cranberry flavor. I just, it just, it's just not for me. Dude, that is probably so the weird. one thing that I will never eat or at least try again. I've tried it. I'll try anything, but it's just one thing. It's just, I, I couldn't do it. When we go Can't to Thanksgiving at my parents' house, my dad literally takes like, he cuts four or five slices from, my mom just literally opens the can and it just slowly jiggles out, puts it on a plate, cuts it into pieces. My dad literally can take four or five pieces and then like just eat it with turkey, eat it with potatoes, eat it with like the green beans. It's just like, why? Why do you do this? It's so, so weird. It's so uncomplimentary. And it's like, I don't know, man. It's like you might as well just eat jello. And honestly, jello might be better. Who knows? <laughs> Especially the homemade jello. Jello is a lot better. Jello is a hundred percent better. Jello is a prime dessert. <laughs> Absolutely, a hundred percent. But I know people that don't like Jello, like my mom. She does not like Jello. She does not like gummy anything. It's just a texture thing. It's like that. But to me, Jello is one of those prime desserts that you can have it with anything, with any flavor, with any topping, and. I don't like that you compared cranberry sauce to it because now the next time I eat Jello, I'm going to think of that. Yeah. You know, I tried, I didn't mean to, it just slipped out. I was just going to say that ruined it. You know, just, yeah, I guess so. It just jiggles like Jello. That's all I can think of, but cranberry is not as good as Jello. I will say that. (laughs) Speaking of Thanksgiving, you usually we have the NBA going, but we also have the, the NHL going at this time. We have obviously NFL games and all that kind of good stuff. The NFL, NHL, I'm sorry, the season is the, the start is literally hanging by a thread. Chris, you mentioned it earlier in the episode. It has to do with escrow. Tell us about the escrow. Tell us about why or if, you know, if the NHL season can even happen or can't happen. Tell us all about it, man. I think the NHL season will happen. I don't think that they're going to get as far, at least from what I've read and what I've understood, is that this whole thing with – with the players getting really frustrated at the league for wanting to increase their escrow amount, it's understandable. But from what I've read too, it's not going to have an impact on what's supposed to be a January 1st start date for the 2021 season. Side note, can we call this season the 2020-2021 season when it's not even being played in 2020? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so, man. That, that's going gonna... to be very weird, and I think you're going to hear a lot of people saying that, just, you know, throwing that out there. Are we just going to put, you know, how they put, like, 2018-20 or 2018-19 on the cup, 2019-20? So it's just going to be 21, 2021. I, so. I would think so. I mean, dep- I mean, maybe they might be clever and start, like, a couple of days before New Year's. <laughs> in order to get that in, but you oh, never they'll know. The, they'll have the preseason games in 2020. Yeah, for sure. That, so there you go. That's I think what that'll count. do it. That's that's yeah. that that that's what'll tip it over the scales. No, but from what I've read, this is not going to impact the start of the 2020 2021 season, at least for opening night on January 1st. For those of you who are not familiar with the situation, uh, revenues for the NHL obviously went down because of the pandemic and because of uh, gate revenue. 
not happening over the past three months of gameplay. And for those of you who don't know what gate revenue is, essentially all it is is just ticket sales revenue. So whether it's tickets that are bought at the box office, you buy them directly from the team for single game tickets, uh, season ticket plans, uh, anything that has to do with you, with your butt being in the seat, that is gate revenue. So none of that gate revenue is happening. And which is, it's a big part of the NHL revenue shares. Since that didn't happen, uh, just a little bit of a backtrack. With the previous CBA, the revenue split between the players and the owners is at a 50-50 split. So with, with the revenues going down, essentially it means that the players aren't going to be pay, getting paid as much which makes sense to you and I, it's like, okay, the company doesn't make as much, you know, didn't make enough money to pay my salary. I'm not going to be getting paid that much. So that yeah, kind of makes sense. Or not get bonuses or, you know, what, whatever the case can be. Right. Whatever sure. it might be. Right. Well, that's not how it works because these contracts are signed and they're dealing with a ton of money, millions upon millions of dollars. And it's not like you and I who might be getting paid 50, 50 K a year. Right. So mm, I wish, but, yeah, going on. <laughs> but it's not, you know, it's, it's significantly less than what these guys are dealing with. So essentially what has been happening in the NHL over the past few years is that the revenues have not been keeping pace with how the salary cap has been growing for NHL players. What this means is that the league is saying that we are not making as much money as we are going to be paying you. So how do they fix that? They say, okay, you can keep your 50, 50 split of the revenues, but since those revenues aren't catching up with what we're paying you, we have to take a little bit out of your money or out of your paycheck and put it into a separate account. And then once we get the revenues tallied back up, from the previous season, we'll pay you back what you had to pay into it. And that's kind of the, the concept of it is basically an insurance policy for the league that says, we're not going to lose money by paying you too much, which the concept is great. The problem with it is that the escrow or that the salary cap has been going up and up and up at such a rapid pace that the escrow percentage has to go up and up with it. Over the past decade or so, it's been averaging about 15%. So what that means is that you get your paycheck and after the taxes, or I shouldn't say that, including the taxes that are being taken off from state and federal, federal purposes, you're also gonna be taken 15% of your paycheck to get thrown into this escrow account. So the big deal with what's been happening over the past couple of days is that there was an NHL and an NHL Players Association meeting about next season. And the NHL, after agreeing to go to 20%, which is unbelievably high in the first place, yeah, but, because of the pan but because of the pandemic, the players are like, okay. The deal was is that this year it would be 20%. Next year, it would be 10%. The year after, which is going to be 22-23, is going to be 8%. And then from 23 to 2026, when the CBA was over, it would be 3%. So it's kind of like we're going to defer the escrow payments to be front-loaded so that we can recover as a league and then we'll pay it forward in the years to come. Sounds great, right? Well, as I mentioned before, this, this NHL PA and NHL Zoom meeting or virtual meeting, whatever you wanna call it, the NHL were, and the Players Association were talking about the start of the season and then the NHL came up and said, by the way, uh, we would really like it if we could raise the escrow to about 25% and the players aren't having it because the NHL essentially said we lost 
more money than what we thought we were going to, and now we want to do over with the CBA. Which they it literally signed this past offseason. Which was signed in the start of July. Yeah. Well, not even in the offseason, right? It was during, during uh, essentially before the playoffs, right? Yeah. It, it was part of the uh, return to play protocols. Yeah. So, Four months ago. Yeah. This doesn't happen very long ago. So now the NHL wants a redo, essentially, on the CBA because they lost more money than what they thought they were going to due to the pandemic, due to not getting the revenues that they thought they were going to, which revenues is apparently some weird and undefined term within the NHL because gate sales and merchandise sales is revenue, but expansion fees aren't. So you can kind of, it's See, don't pay their expansion things. yet. Pay for their, they did, right? It was they a $750 million expansion fee that, never goes to the players so that there's there's that kind of fine dark line and so now it's not really reported that it's going to affect the january 1st start day but now it's starting to get into the back of the heads of nhl fans and reporters that well it's 2020 at this point so what if the NHL really drags us on and the players are saying absolutely not. And now we have a lockout. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I it's, don't, it's a very confusing situation at this point. I hope that the escrow explanation explanation uh, made sense. It's just, that's a very brief description of what's kind of, kind of happening. Um, and the thing about escrow too is that if you're in a very high taxed area, so let's say that your uh, your taxes are 25%. So income taxes are 25%, whether you're in the States or you're in Canada. Uh, for the States, for example, we'll have to pay like a state and a federal income tax and some people have to pay into Medicare and Social Security. Um, so those are all taxes that get get filed out of your paycheck normally. But with escrow, it's another little tax underneath there that takes it out and puts it into this account. So if you're already getting taxed 25% in whatever region that you play in, and then the NHL says, yeah, we need 25% also for escrow. Now a player that's making, you know, five million dollars a year is now making 2.5 so and for some five percent doesn't sound like a lot but when you're talking millions of dollars it adds up it really adds up and that's why the players are frustrated they feel betrayed like i said i haven't seen anything that suggests that the start of the season is going to get pushed back or delayed or the season not even happening it just feels like one of those wrinkles in what's been the 2020 weird sports year that it's been. Um, but you never know. Something right. could happen. So I, I want to hear your thoughts, Matt, on it because it's an interesting topic. And I just kind of want to know what your thoughts are on both the NHL side and maybe the player side or just first things that come to mind. Right. I mean, traditionally, like when it, like two years ago, I read an article about how, you know, the salary cap seven seventy nine 79.5 million. Traditionally, it's 11.9. So let's just say 12% of escrow, which, I mean, the, uh, first of all, the NHL salary cap isn't too high compared to other sports, number one. Number two, the NHL, um, as I sit down and read about this, is the only league to use escrow. Um, they a lot of a lot of leagues use 50-50 revenue splits, maybe even less, whatever it may be. Uh, the NBA does a little bit more, but the NHL is the only one to do escrow, and I think it's because of the low salary cap. First of, these players don't make as much money as they're you know entitled to because like once you think about it, like entitled to, I say deserve. Let's just say deserve entitlement and does. <laughs> and how much you deserve is are two different things. Let's just say like how much you deserve because if you look at it, an NBA and an NHL season are both 82 games. Which one deserves to make more money, and which one actually makes more money? The NBA makes more money. The NHL deserves to make more money. 
So there's problem number one. Number two, you have an escrow in a league that doesn't make enough money, uh, that then players uh, where players don't make uh, enough money. You, I mean, for a guy like Jonathan Tays, he's who's making ten million dollars a year. I mean, that's two million taken away from him. That it, if I was him, I wouldn't be happy either. I mean, it's just I know that like in the in the shorter things, like we're all talking like people lost their jobs this year. There's a pandemic going on. It just works differently for athletes, man. It really does, and. I get it. I don't feel sorry for them, but at the same time, I understand why they're upset. So I, I totally understand and I totally get it. See, and Jonathan Taves is a good example because the $10 million contract. Which now, was a steal if, at the time. Yeah, <laughs> but now if you're looking at it, for example, okay, and then to backtrack just a little bit, sorry, I'm all over the place, but with the escrowing, um, I did mention that some of that gets paid back depending on what the revenues are reported by the league. The thing is, is that over the past few years, the revenue doesn't really even get announced until several years after. Like they're still trying to figure out what the revenues were for the 2016-2017 season. So those escrow payments haven't even been, haven't even gotten back to, to the players. Second of all, if a player is getting or paying into the escrow account at like, let's say 15%, like I've been kind of, or the, at least the average over the past decade. Yeah. All right. No, I see. I hear the you. The league can announce that the return can only be like 2%. So now you're saying, okay, well, I paid a million dollars into this, into this escrow account. Well, here's a check for 80 grand. It's like, okay, that's great. You know, money's money, obviously, but that's not exactly what I've been paying into. Where's my, you know, 920,000 other extra dollars. So I know some of you are, I know some of you are like yelling, okay, these guys are millionaires. Like they, they should be able to, to afford it and they should be able to, you know, they should, they shouldn't have to worry about that money because they're not going to miss it anyway. And it's like, okay, maybe for the top 1% of the players, that might be true. That might be true. But you get some of these rookies. Let's take the first overall pick from this season, Alexi Lafreniere. He's making $925,000. And if you take potentially 50% based off New York state and federal income taxes and now a potential 25% escrow added onto that, now Alexi is making, doing the quick math, what four hundred and fifty thousand? Let's just say, just for the sake of it, four fifty to four seventy five. Yeah, dude, even less than that. I mean, you're looking at two fifty three hundred thousand. So okay, so you're looking at Alexi Lafreniere still making four hundred fifty k. That's still quite a bit, right? Five games into his career, destroys his knee. Not going to win, sir. Not going to win right now. Destroy his <laughs> – I, I don't know. I don't want to jinx that, obviously. But let's, let's, say, let's say, like, one of the top draft picks just destroys his knee, destroys one of their body parts, and they, they're never the same player again. Now you just took that player's potential career earnings to the tens of millions of dollars to possibly not even half a million. So what you're saying is, is that, oh, yeah, these guys are millionaires. They won't miss it. Well, not for the guy that only made 400000 in his career. So now he has to go find something that, you know, go find a career just like everybody else at that point if he doesn't find something in hockey, which at this point they're not because the pandemic ruined a lot of those jobs in hockey. Um, that 450,000 isn't going to last them the rest of their life. And that happens a lot more than what people know every single year because either players burn out or they just aren't good enough to sustain their success in the league. So this is a big deal, especially for uh, not, not just for the lower players. It's a big deal for everybody because unlike you and me, we theoretically can make money from our fields for the rest of our lives. 
these guys might, and it's actually rare, very rare, that these guys have a 10-year earnings window. So they're going to want to make as much money as humanly possible because hockey, football, baseball, it's all they know. So, yeah, they might not miss it, but money's still money. They're entitled to that money because they signed a contract saying that they're going to get paid that. You take it for what it is. Uh, we'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So either DM us on Twitter at ITM pod or DM us on Instagram at ITM pod. Cause I would love to hear what your thoughts are on this whole escrow business that's going on. And if it's going, if you think it's going to affect the season, please let us know. I'd love to hear your thoughts and you might just share it on our next episode. Absolutely. Yes. Let us know this. We are for the people by the people. Sorry, <laughs> little interruption. Anyway, yes, absolutely. Let us know. Now, to end the sh- uh, show on a more positive note, more happy hockey news. Uh, Chris, you told me earlier today, or right earlier right now, oh, I, you know, I mentioned in our group chat, I'm like, look who the Blackhawks hired. So one of the most decorated Olympians of all time, multi-gold you know, medalist, Kendall Coyne Schofield. She joined the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, the, the organization today, they hired her as a player developmental uh, player development coach, and she's going to be working in the Rockford uh, Rockford ISOG level, uh, youth development, player development. I mean, that's huge. That's big. I mean, for as as amazing as a hockey player she was, she could definitely teach a lot of people a lot of stuff. And hiring a woman for this role—that's that's definitely amazing. And you know, even Kevin said, he's like, oh, how am I supposed to hate you guys now? I'm like, you can't. You can't hate the Hawks now as much as you used to, at least. But this is really good news. I think it's a step forward for women in hockey. I mean, maybe, you know, this is a first of many hires. I mean, we saw a female GM be hired in Miami for in baseball, MLB. Miami Harlan, Marlins hired Kim Ng. So, I mean, it's, we're, you know, we're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere, and I, this is definitely really, really, really awesome news. Um, Megan had to be excited about it, huh? <laughs> yeah, she's pretty thrilled. She's a big Kendall Coin Show Feel fan. Uh, we're fortunate, actually, to get to see her play live uh, at the All-Star Skills Competition you did in go to, Yeah, Louis. you did go to All-Star yeah. Weekend. That's awesome. We did, and uh, she was part of the, the new uh, – uh, three-on-three uh, women's hockey tournament uh, between the U.S. and Canada. It was really cool, and she was on the ice, and um, Megan was just was just starstruck just being there. And uh, I think it's one of her favorite hockey hires of all time. So we'll definitely we're definitely going to be going to some Rockford Ice Hogs game just to get to get to be in the same building as her. I know she's going to be excited about that. So. It's a good hire for the Hawks. It, like you said, it's it's going to be a stepping stone for women, especially entering hockey on the player's side of it, not just the hockey operations side, because obviously there's there's physical therapists and athletic trainers and team doctors who are females. Um, but as far as working with developing players, this is, this is going to be big. So uh, it, it'll be a good hire for them. They definitely got one of the best in the sport and, and, uh, We'll see. Uh, we'll see how she how she does developing some of the the young Hawks talent. Yeah, no, it's definitely a great stepping stone. Definitely a good move by the Hawks. Um, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see. It'll be fun to watch too, especially seeing like some of the guys get called up from Rockford, and then she can be, you know, she's she is able to say, "Hey, I work with that kid. Like I was able to bring him up," and that's that's going to be really awesome to see too. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully you enjoyed episode forty-seven. And, you know, obviously, lastly, we, Chris and I, speaking on behalf of Chris, but, you know, he can speak on behalf of himself, obviously. I guess you could say that. <laughs> I hope we, I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. Um, there's a lot to be thankful for this year. 2020 has sucked, but there's a lot on the, on the horizon that's, you know, very, very promising. There's, uh, you know, some vaccines that are coming out for COVID. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot to be thankful for. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoy your Thanksgiving. Don't get everybody, you know, each other on Black Friday. And then I'll take it over to Chris. 
Chris, yeah. what, what, do you, what do you have to say to the people? Yeah, I think we, I think we have a lot of things to be thankful for. You know, it's been a kind of, kind of cruddy year for pretty much everybody. But like I, like I mentioned before with, uh, with Bart and his EMT stuff, it's always darkest before the dawn. And I think the sun's starting to crack up above the horizon. So we're getting there surely, but you know, surely, but or slowly, slowly but, but surely. surely. Yeah. Sorry. Go. Slowly, just but like surely. Your vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're, we're working on that every day, you know, surely, but slowly, but oh, um, oh, no. I did that on purpose. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, just keep, keep on keeping on. Like, okay. One last thing though, about the virus I've been hearing that and do your own research on this. Cause I'm not going to say that the source is credible, but at this point I'll believe anything. Um, that December 12th is starting to look like an emergency date for a lot of hospitals across not only the country, but the world, you know, at least in emergency settings. So that's a step forward. I don't know. Maybe by spring, this will all be but a memory. But all you can do is hope. Let's get through it one day at a time. This will all be but a memory one day. Absolutely. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at ITMPod on both platforms. Uh, Chris does a good job of posting content on there. Make sure you buy some merch, redbubble.com. Uh, search up inside the mines. We have a ton that people will like. Hey, listen, stocking stuffers, perfect. Redbubble.com, inside the mines. Buy some stocking stuffers for the family. Buy them for your friends. Buy them for yourself. Who knows? Take care, guys. Have a happy Thanksgiving. See you guys later. See you next week. Bye.